When it's science, it has to be objective. You can't have an opinion. The COVID-19 era is laden with conspiracy theories, the rumors, and cultural stigma. And this is all calling for us to redefine the way in which we consume information. Some uh, scientific journalism that is being reported on isn't necessarily objective. I maintain this news consumption habit. I consume news about this pandemic selectively. Hello everyone and welcome to our podcast. My name is Nadia Al-Hinari and this is a podcast where four research assistants, Shafaq Zia, Hakim Al-Maqdad, Alyssa Maflah, and I work with Professor Anto Mohsen to research different aspects of science journalism in the COVID-19 era. The research that we have done included looking at and annotating different COVID-19 related articles about transmission, prevention, treatment, and more. So today's topic of discussion is going to be around how we take in knowledge in the COVID-19 era. So where do each of us receive our news and what can we try and do to only feed ourselves the correct information? So usually for me on a day-to-day basis, I don't directly go looking for news. News comes to me when I browse through social media. And I like to make sure that I follow a broad range of news agencies on Twitter. I follow Western news agencies in the Arab region, and of course, local to know what's happening around me. Now, of course, when we read the news, there are critical things that we need to keep in mind. Remembering that numbers can always be misleading, news headlines can be overly exaggerated, and writers may sometimes fail to give context in their stories. Thank you, Nadia, for having me. I'm excited to share my point of view on this with you. COVID-19 is the only event in my life and that of many others that has led to such upheaval so quickly and broadly. And since the first outbreak of novel coronavirus in China months ago, things have been maddeningly unclear. And one of the reasons I believe for that is the pace and the scale of the pandemic. In just a matter of months, the pandemic has redefined our lives which includes the way we live, the way we work, the way we learn, how we travel, and how we see ourselves in a community. All of that has now changed. But something else that has spread as quickly and broadly as the virus itself is the misinformation around it. According to a study published in the American Journal of Topical Medicine and Hygiene in August, at least 800 people have died across the world because of COVID-19-related misinformation. The COVID-19 era is laden with conspiracy theories, rumors, and cultural stigma. And this is all calling for us to redefine the way in which we consume information as well. While I believe that it is the responsibility of international agencies and governments to fight back against this infodemic on a larger scale, there are some ways in which we can spot misinformation and control its spread in our respective communities. So firstly, I would suggest look at the source of the information when you're consuming it. Vague and untraceable sources should ring alarm bells in your head. Secondly, beware of people claiming to have genuine scoops of information. Because if something is only reported by one person, it is highly likely to be false. And thirdly, you should go past a story's headline and read it till the very end. Because if something looks false or confusing, then you can dig deeper around it. Thank you, Shafak, for that wonderful insight. Now we're gonna go on to Hakim. That's gonna tell us about what he's learned from reading a lot of newspapers. Oh, thank you, Nadia, for the introduction. So today, I'm going to share with you my worthy experience and knowledge from doing research this summer. First of all, I've spent all summer working with Professor Anto Mohsen. I've downloaded and annotated more than 
1,500 articles from one of the four official Arabic newspapers in Qatar. But all of you before starting doing this research uh, work was that newspapers fall injuries. Apparently, I was completely wrong about that. I've read articles among all different sections, such as, but not limited to, Qatar section, where I learn about the country where I'm based in, economic section, cultural section, sports section, medical edition, international journalism, and more. My annotation includes locating all articles related to the pandemic in the daily editions of an Arab newspaper. What has struck me the most is that COVID-19 has impacted our lives in all means. Throughout my annotation experience of Al-Arab, I have noticed the slow emergence of COVID-19 into all sections of the newspaper without exceptions. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. In pre-pandemic times, Al-Arab newspaper used to dedicate one part for an article regarding the world trade in the economic section, for example. In the post-pandemic, the same article would appear but talking from the angle of how COVID-19 has impacted directly or indirectly the process of the world trade for the sake of this example. This is true for all articles I've annotated so far. In my opinion, everyone should read newspapers because they sum up different coverage from different angles, economically, culturally, etc. Which leads us to a better understanding of how the pandemic has impacted and reshaped our lives. Thank you, Hakim. That was very, very interesting. Do you have any like thoughts on the significant shift in the amount of COVID-19 related articles being published, you know, now and compared to like the beginning or the end of 2019? Do you have any comments about the significant shift? And do you think that these news agencies are doing enough on reporting about the COVID-19? Oh, thanks for this question. I think it's a really interesting question. Um, from my experience, I can tell you that the shift happens as something that um, it's like filling like a cup of water. So you start from the bottom and it keeps like filling up. So it's the same thing with the newspaper. So at the beginning, at the beginning of the pandemic, you find one article at the last page, like three lines, two, three, like four um, sentences, just talking about what was happening in China. But then afterward, you start like slowly find out that all sections in all like different parts of the newspaper I've been doing start like covering like how the pandemic has 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 been affected like each section like in the country economically culturally and in all other aspects so I think the shift happens slowly over time but then when when especially when it starts like heading the country here when like when when uh, the pandemic started in Qatar and then the news becomes more and more um, at that moment. Thank you. That makes sense that it's, you know, it started gradually, you know, in the beginning, people weren't taking it that serious, but, uh, you know, gradually the news of COVID-19 starts to become more and more as they find that it's more serious. Now we're going to go on to Alyssa and see what she has to say. Thank you, Nadia, for the introduction. Um, I'm super honored to be here on the podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about um, a little more about my particular experience with doing research for Professor Anto. Um, so echoing what my colleague said, uh, I think that there 
you know, being critical about the content you're consuming, especially about COVID-19 is very important because any misinformation can potentially lead to health complications uh, and maybe even death. So my first tip would obviously be to categorize the topics of the articles you're reading. So sorting them out into like, for example, transmission, uh, prevention, treatment, updates and guides. so basically like sectioning off each of the the content that you're reading in order to better comprehend it and understand what you're reading. The second thing that I would advise uh, people to do is to recognize the news source and think critically of their agenda. Um, is, do they part like do they, does this um, news agency uh, try to suppress certain information? Is the information factually correct? I think um, this this comes you know, with the rise of this, mis- like the misinformation uh, infodemic, uh, I think it's very important that we as uh, readers and consumers understand what we're reading and whether it's factually correct or not. Uh, another thing um, I'd advise is to be mindful of how much time you spend consuming information. So if I catch myself going on and reading articles for like three hours at a time, I think um, I have to, you know, take a step back and give myself breaks because sometimes reading a lot of or consuming a lot of information can like overwhelm a person and, uh, you know, it, things can start to become blurry. Um, another thing that I would advise is to look at the author's credentials and past experiences with covering specific topics. So what I have found in regards to that is that authors with uh, a scientific uh, background tend to have more accurate reporting on the topic. And obviously the last um, piece of advice I'd give is that cross-check the topic that you're reading about because more often than not, if it's only one organization reporting about it, it could mean that it's not necessarily credible. Um, I believe Shafak mentioned uh, something about uh, inside, like if an, if an article, you know, say that they have an inside scoop, then it might not necessarily be credible. So really be critical of the content you're reading. Um, and, and I think that, that, you know, while I was reading from different, both uh, Arab region and, uh, you know, doing videos, podcasts, uh, the, the, the more you read, the more you'll understand that, like, you'll, you'll become more literate in the, um, in the content. And I think that, but be careful, you know, be mindful, be careful and uh, give yourself a break when reading it. Thank you. Thank you, Alyssa. Uh, I actually kind of agree with one of your points about how news agencies have a specific agenda sometimes, which reminds me of the topic about objectivity in journalism. And I think all of us here can come to a consensus about, you know, when it's science, it has to be objective. You can't have, you know, an opinion because it's science, it's factual, it can be fact-checked it must be objective. But unfortunately, I think, you know, we've seen, you know, some news articles not be objective and not be so factual and scientific. And, you know, uh, so I just wanted to ask, like, I mean, there are different ways where we can fact check ourselves, but just like the moral concept and the ethics about being objective in, science journalism specifically because it's such like a risky um, like industry because you need to be so sure of what you're saying because so many people rely on what you are saying especially in this pandemic so what do you think about that 
So I think that um, one thing that helps me out in terms of objectivity and fact-checking and everything, um, I have this Chrome extension. It's, um, you can like add it to your Google Chrome. It's called Fake News Detector. And sometimes it's good to have, uh, you know, uh, especially specifically for someone who might not be media literate, it can, um, you know, guide you on whether or not this source is credible. And uh, another thing to add on to what you were saying is I agree 100 uh, percent. Some uh, scientific journalism that is being reported on um, isn't isn't necessarily objective, you know, and I think that completely depends on the news agency that's reporting. Some uh, decide to do it in a, you know, political perspective. Others are more of like, um, you know, research reports, uh, health uh, kind of style. And then others are just for, you know, consumption by any, like quick and easy consumption by, um, by audience. So I think that while I agree with you that the, the content that we read should be objective, specifically when it comes to science journalism, I think that at the same time, news agencies tend to, uh, you know, adapt to the niche uh, audience that they have um, and whether or not what they demand. Like, is it, you know, because because, you know, at the at the end, these news agencies have someone that back them up and most probably the news agency is going to report in favor of the organization, the person or uh, party that is uh, representing them. So, you know, with that being said, I think be critical of um, what you're reading and do your research about who owns the news organization. Uh, do they have any benefit from, you know, addressing the topic in a specific uh, lens? Um, but other than that, I think, you know, just be mindful and be critical. Yeah, so I think the best advice we can actually give is just continue being critical of what you read. You can't trust everything you read, so just continuing on being critical and asking important questions is the safest way to go. So now we're going to go on to uh, Professor Anto Mohsen and see what he has to say. Thank you, Nadia, Shafak, Hakim, and Alyssa. It's very nice having these conversations with all of you today. Um, let me join the conversation by answering your first question, Nadia. In general, I tend to consume news uh, very selectively. Even before COVID-19, I didn't read news on a daily basis. This, uh, main reason, the main reason for doing this is to ensure that I wouldn't get what it's typically called information overload, uh, receiving too much information that you have a hard time processing it. And um, there's also another term for that, uh, analysis paralysis. You can't really analyze what information is that uh, you receive. Uh, there's too much information already that demands my attention and brain uh, processing capacity. And I don't want to add unnecessary information uh, coming in. Uh, because of this, I tend to consume news uh, periodically, for example, uh, on a weekly basis or once every few days, um, and often in a condensed or summarized uh, forms. Now, this doesn't mean that I don't read any news at all. Uh, when a particular topic catches my attention, I usually would devote a lot of time reading more coverage on that. And typically what I would do is to collect as many relevant news articles on that topic 
but I want to make sure that I have access to uh, news articles uh, for later consumption. When the COVID-19 outbreak started and then spread widely globally, uh, I maintained this news consumption habit. I consume news about this pandemic selectively. I archive them on my own and with all of your help, of course. Um, as for um, topics that uh, caught my interest about the uh, COVID-19 pandemic is the uh, spread of misinformation about this outbreak, uh, also known as infodemic. The second topic that um, I got interested in uh, delving a little bit deeper than any other topics, for example, uh, vaccine development. I don't necessarily read a lot about that. Um, the second topic is contact tracing. Uh, just so happened that, you know, I was invited by Professor Spencer Strecker to uh, apply for an HBKU innovation grant uh, to develop a mobile game app on contact tracing. Uh, and I read more about this than any other topic. And because I live in uh, Doha, Qatar, I also uh, 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 periodically uh, try to get information about what the Qatari government has been uh, doing in uh, dealing with this outbreak. As for your second question, which is a really good question, um, there are many ways to ensure that information we consume is the correct information, as, as uh, uh, some of you already said, uh, Shafak, uh, Alyssa in particular, and also Hakim to a certain extent. Uh, what I'd like to add is this crucial understanding that I learned in uh, graduate school, and also as a teacher of this field called Science and Technology Studies, or SDS. Um, so one of the insights I learned uh, is about how scientists produce knowledge about scientific knowledge production is that it usually takes time uh, for uh, knowledge uh, to be accepted as quote-unquote facts by scientists. Uh, uh, in other words, to be uh, accepted as a consensus by scientists. Um, and because it takes time, uh, uh, usually this process uh, is um, uh, fine and, and, and doesn't really concern us all that much, except that in the COVID-19 um, era, uh, we want to know soon how this disease um, is spreading, how it affects people, and so forth. But the understanding that scientists are producing about this uh, uh, outbreak is in real time. Uh, and so, uh, uh, in that sense, uh, this is an active area of research, uh, and we have to be mindful of that. Um, and there are still many things that are unknown and being figured out, and that's another component that I'd like to add in trying to sort uh, which is the correct information, which is um, uh, potentially can be misinformation. Uh, understanding this means that we need to be patient and uh, also skeptical about um, and critical about the many knowledge produced and disseminated on the media, uh, both on traditional media, uh, like newspaper, like Hakim mentioned earlier, uh, earlier, and also on social media. So usually I look for the most widely accepted information. Um, uh, so for example, uh, I think uh, this has been communicated a lot already, 
in order to prevent the spread of the disease and to help uh, health professionals uh, deal with the ones who got infected, we need to uh, maintain physical distance. When we go out, wear a, a mask, a really good mask, a surgical mask would be one of them. And uh, uh, wash your hands a lot, or use hand sanitizer. Uh, don't touch your face too often or before washing your hands, because that's how the virus uh, would go inside your body. This is the basic information that I keep in mind in a flood of information that we've been receiving about COVID-19. Thank you, Professor, for your take on those two questions. Um, I think we can all agree as research assistants, we have learned so much, you know, in just, you know, just a month or two or, or however long we've been working with you, we've learned so much about not just COVID-19, but science journalism and how it is being covered and um, even the changes of science journalism we've seen. Uh, that's correct, Nadia. Uh, you're right about this. Writing articles, disseminating information about um, health, uh, uh, good behaviors, uh, correct information, and so forth. But we also need to be mindful that sometimes um, uh, journalism in science and in health uh, can have uh, an unintended consequences because they transform the research done by the scientists in a way that may be interpreted uh, a bit differently uh, by the people who read them. So like a double sword. Yes, exactly. That's a, that's a very good term. Yeah, exactly. It is important uh, to uh, tell a lot of information uh, to people, but we'd also be careful. Uh, um, the news articles written by science journalists can also uh, have unintended uh, consequences, uh, negative in this case, uh, because of how journalists report the findings of the scientists, for example. Uh, 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 the way it can be misinterpreted by the lay people because of the uh, usual techniques that uh, journalists would do, which uh, include, uh, for example, sensationalizing uh, uh, the research uh, or making uh, a bit of an exaggeration of the results um, and so forth. Science journalism is a growing industry that can be very useful and beneficial for people today, especially in this coronavirus pandemic. However, it is a huge responsibility for those working in this industry to come with the most truthful and reliable data to the rest of society. Thank you for listening to our very first episode on science journalism. Thank you for listening to Science Journal Podcast. Don't forget to visit our Instagram page, sciencejournal.qa. This episode was produced by Anto Mohsen, Nadia Lhinai, Alyssa Maflah, Hakim Al-Maghdad, Shafaq Zia, hosted by Nadia Lhinai, edited by Ahmed Jassim, graphics and artwork by Ahmed Jassim.